Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. I have former TXCTA president, current past president uh, on the board uh, for TXCTA, Missy Head. Uh, I never got to know Missy when she was the president of TXCTA. I just kind of, I, obviously I knew who she was and, and knew her name as the president, but we never really chatted too much uh, during my time with them. I'm still with them, but we never chatted too much when we were there at the same time when she was in charge, just because I dealt with Doc Ivins mostly as kind of my boss, quote unquote, even though it's a volunteer thing. But uh, so I I got in contact with Missy. Actually, she reached out to me about doing something uh, with TXETA and we got to chatting and I wanted just to make sure that she would kind of do me the honor of being on the podcast. And so she did. So this was recorded again back in March, back during spring break so I don't know if there is any dated material I know she mentions like doing things and stuff so that it's dated to her but if you didn't know this wasn't yesterday you wouldn't you wouldn't know but uh, it was a, a really fun conversation and, and genuinely one that I got to know somebody I really just had no clue about I didn't know uh, anything about Missy when I chatted with her so uh, the thing that we actually chatted about how topical. This is actually extremely coincidental, but we chatted about including my podcast in the newsletter. And there's no, for those people that think maybe I'm getting a kickback, there's no financial anything. I'm actually just, it's just pub. It's just getting the podcast information out there. And so you can listen as well and be uh, a part of the community. But um, we actually chatted about doing that and it finally came uh, out this week. So I'll be in a couple of newsletters uh, every once in a while, not every week, but uh, it's really kind of cool. You know, it's kind of neat that they're, that TXETA is recognizing this podcast as something that is valuable to Texas theater educators. I, I very much uh, appreciate that. I genuinely appreciate that. And so that's really, really cool. So if you haven't seen the newsletter, um, my logo is boom right there. Uh, boom. So that's really cool. I really appreciate that. Uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation about an hour long, maybe a little less conversation with Missy. Uh, it was a really uh, a, a great one. And uh, as far as the other organization is concerned, Texas Thespians, we still have professional development stuff happening. You cannot get that early bird special anymore, but there's still a lot happening with the professional development June 26 at Atascacita High School, which is like an hour and a half from where I currently am sitting. Uh, so it feels like it's it's not in Houston, but it but it is. It's uh, it's technically an umble, but and we don't say the H. It's umble, but we do say the H when it's Houston. Anyway, it's confusing. But uh, that PD is there, then July 10th, and then at end of July, I want to say the 31st or something like that. Uh, I, th I believe that's it um, at Bastrop. So we've got quite a few things happening with that. We've got dates. We've got people lined up for those. Uh, Mandy Tapia has been killing it with that. Uh, there's been some other news with Texas Thespians with uh, Amy, uh, now Amy Jordan, now becoming a, a pretty much a paid employee by Texas Thespians uh, to kind of run the organization. She's still going to be chapter director, uh, which, um, you know, I 
think is really great. I don't, I don't really, you know, I, I don't know how you do that job. Like I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Uh, you know, I can run and manage and produce and do all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot, there is a lot that happens behind the scenes that even as a board member now that's been on it for years, I still don't know. I mean, obviously I still don't know, uh, what happens, but every once in a while, you know, Amy will say something to the board that you're like, wow, I didn't realize that was a, a part of this whole thing. I thought we'd just like throw in some workshops and some PD every once in a while and let the kids run around and do tech events. Like, you know, that's pretty much what it looks like, but no, there's, there's, uh, a whole lot. So it's very, very good that we now have a paid position because it's been needed for a while. Um, the other thing is, uh, we're, my wife and I are trying to move. Uh, we sold our house. Yeah, girl. We had, uh, we opened for two days. I know that nobody cares about this on this podcast. This is about Texas theater educators, but I'm going to say it anyway. We had our house on the market for two days. We got 10, 10, I repeat 10 offers for our house. So now the pressure's on to find one. And that's the hard part because, uh, this is not a buyer's market right now, but we're looking for houses up in the Woodlands area-ish. Uh, Jennifer is currently looking for a job, a J-O-B, uh, up there. She hasn't quit her other one, but they know that she's looking, so it's not going to be a surprise, nor is it weird for me to say it on here. But uh, she is looking for that J-O-B right now. So if you got that middle school position up in the Conroe Woodlands spring area you know <laughs> hit your boy up anyway if you want to hit me up again topical you can go to twitter at mr blake minor you can go on facebook it seems to be the hotter place for people our age uh to become friends with me so that's great uh you can reach out to me either one of those ways i really appreciate it follow me on itunes spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate it rate it really well Man, rate it really well. Rate it like at least one star, maybe five, uh, preferably five. So that'd be really, really cool if you did that. So uh, I hope you guys are enjoying these interviews next week. Uh, the, it'll it'll roll on with uh, Dennis Maganza, Maganza, Dennis, Dennis Maganza. Dennis, it'll be Dennis M, Mr. Dennis, uh, who I interviewed also during spring break right after I talked to Missy. And you'll hear why. That might be the natural progression there. So, and then the week after that, I've got a really cool interview that I'm not going to reveal quite yet uh, because I'm super excited. And again, it's something that I recorded a, a little bit while, a, a little bit while, a little while back. Um, and so I'm excited about that. Get out to stages this week if you're in the Houston area to go see Carnegie Vanguard and Bush High School perform at Stages Repertory Theater. Enjoy this week's episode with Missy Head. When I was a little girl, I was so shy, incredibly shy, and I wouldn't speak to anybody. Um, well, I would speak to my mom, my dad, and my cousin Chris, who was my exact same age. So she was my voice. And when we went places, they would say, well, how old are y'all? And she would say, we're 10 or we're eight or what are your names? This is Missy and I'm Chrissy. And that's sort of how it worked. So when I was in the third grade, my third grade teacher told my mom she doesn't speak and she can't go through her life like this. You're going to have to figure something out. And there's a little bit of a regional theater in our town. So why don't you take her to that and see if that can't help her? And by the way, my grandmother was so embarrassed to the fact that I wouldn't talk to anybody that she told all of her friends that I was a mute. 
And they would say things, well, she's such a pretty little girl, but she neither speaks nor hears. And my grandmother would say, no. <laughs> so anyway, my, my mother on this one particular Saturday took me to theater school at the Permian Playhouse in Odessa, Texas. And I cried all the way there because I thought people were going to look at me. And I really, <clears throat> I really don't know why I was so shy. I just was. And so my mom was not going to just drop me off at the theater school. She thought this was going to be a, a disaster. And she stayed. And I mean, within seconds of walking into the theater, they divided us into groups and we were going to go make commercials, you know, do little skits. And it was, when it was my time to take the stage with my group, something happened and I felt at home really for the first time in my life. And I spoke and my mother just, she was sitting at the back of the theater, just gobsmacked that this was actually happening. So that was sort of my way into the theater and I've never left. And it's just been a passion of mine. And like I said, I just always felt at home. And I totally understand, you know, there's the title of that play that, what is it? Uh, the Smell of the, do you, remember, do you know this play? No. The Smell <laughs> of the, there's, it, it talks about the smell of the theater. Okay. And I just, I love the smell of the theater, if that makes any sense sure. at all. I just, I love everything about it. So I went to Southwest Texas, which is now Texas State University. Right. And I got my first job at Odessa High School. And I loved working in Odessa because I grew up in Odessa and I knew everyone. My parents were teachers. So it was like wearing an old house shoe. And it was very easy to navigate the waters of that educational system because it was familiar to me and it was a great place to be a young new teacher. I was very lucky because all the teachers at Odessa High took this newbie underneath their wings and took care of me and really taught me how to be a teacher. So, you know, I had to learn how to be a theater teacher, but also had to learn how to be just a teacher and a good employee, a good educator. I'm very grateful for all those people that invested in me. I call them the steel magnolias because during that time in school, we all were family. It's not like that anymore. But I think the reason why it was is because everybody smoked and they all went to the lounge, the non-smokers with the smokers, because you didn't want to be left out. So and nobody knew that how bad we all stunk you know, being from being around all the smokers. So we all went to the lounge and we uh, we spent time together and we had spreads. You know, everybody brought food once a month and we went to the football games together. And I think the saddest thing for me now is that teachers, young teachers now have no idea what that community used to be like of teachers. You know, we celebrated marriages, you know, we went through divorces together, deaths together. And in every sense of the word, we were family and really still are, you know. Um, when I left Odessa High, I was there for 10 years. When I left, they said, well, what do you want? My husband got transferred. And they said, well, what do you want as a gift before you leave? And I said, I want a professional photograph 
of my still magnolias. And that's what I have. And I mean, I wouldn't take for that photograph. And I never quite had that again. I, I took it for granted that that community would still be at every school, but school structure has changed so that that it just, you know, people don't go to the lounge too much anymore. Um, I was very lucky in my training because I think that I got, I think I got a good education at Texas State. One of the, the people that I will be forever thankful and grateful for is Dennis McGanza, you know, um, and he is still a lifelong friend of mine. We met when I was 18 and he's just a brilliant director and so good with stage movement. I don't think anyone understands stage movement quite like he does. And I think it's such an important part of the story. And he, he shared that with me and he's taught so many people, you know, Paula Rodriguez, Luis Munoz, Kelly Russell. I mean, the list, every time I turn around, it's, there's somebody else that had Dennis in some form or fashion. So I think that in terms of my career, the first really 17 years were very influenced by Dennis and then other people that I watched their plays, you know, David, Kelly, Tal, Paula, I mean, uh, Natasha, Travis. I mean, the list goes Rod Sheffield on and on. I mean, I don't even think I could name everybody. Well, any play I've ever seen actually influenced me and, and taught me. Oh, uh, Jerry Worsham, of course, you know, things like that. Um, so I, I'm very grateful. The first 17 years, I was mildly successful. I don't ever like to use state as a way to measure success because I think that if you get into that conversation, it's deadly. And I, I don't think we should be known for how many trips to state we've had because the lady that mentored me never went, I don't think she even won district ever. And she was one of the most brilliant directors I ever saw. And unfortunately, it bothered her a lot that she didn't go. And I hated that. because, And I don't know why she didn't win. Um, aesthetically, her productions were, they're exquisite. The acting was good. The scripts were good. It just was her story to be, have a different path, you know. Um, but. I have been to state quite a few times and it is a part of my story. So I don't say it to pat myself on the back or to make that mean something extra special, but it is a part of my story. Yeah. I never assumed that I would ever go. And I was okay with that. Honestly, I just wanted to do my best work. I just wanted to do theater and teach kids, but it was always an honor and a privilege to get to go. So in that first 17, if I had never been again or never been, I had a successful career. My husband um, got transferred several times. I went from Odessa High to um, Victoria and Victoria to Industrial in Vanderbilt and then back to Permian High School where I graduated and then to Creekview here in Carrollton and worked with DeMond Wilson. 
And when I met DeMond, my life totally changed because he did theater in a way I had never seen before. And I'm not going to lie. It scared the bejesus out of me because he works totally backwards and everything he was doing was crazy to me. Now, look, but I was smart because, you know, and, and by the way, I have to say at that time I was in my forties and I thought I'd been around a while and I knew what I was doing, you know, and he was like 26, <laughs> you know, but that never mattered to me how some, what, how many years experience someone has or how long they've been teaching. You can learn from a kid. And in fact, I have to tell you my Snyder story in a second because it's one of my best <laughs> and it, it has to be shared. It's really funny, but, but I'm smart enough to keep my mouth shut and not, and check my ego at the door and watch and be patient and see what someone else is doing and see what happens as a result and learn from that. And I don't know why I have that because most people do not have that (laughs) capacity. I don't know if my daddy gave it to me or I'm just dumb luck. I don't know. But I watched what he was doing and I saw the brilliance of it. And he never coached or directed to go to state either. That's not important to him. But his process so works that the product is that you're going to go back to back to back to back to back because, the, like I said, the product just works. And what was so funny is what he knows well is so different than what I knew well. And we both needed each other. And both of us are the same in terms of being students of process. So he studied my process (laughs) and figured it out. I studied his. And then they said that together we were lethal. And then we used to always laugh about now that we know each other's stuff, what would happen if we competed against each other? We're like, oh my gosh, that would really be off the chain if, if we ever had to do that. Um, I don't know that I'd want to, but (laughs) he, uh, he, uh, we worked together for a year and then he left, it moved and then he came back the net, a year later. We worked together, I think, three years, and then he left again. But I am such a disciple of the process I learned from him that, and I don't know why I had to wait 17 years to learn that secret. <laughs> it just was time for me to learn it when I learned it. Yeah. But I cannot teach it enough. And my goal is to go around. Anybody that wants to listen and anybody that thinks they want to try this process because it, um, it totally changed my life in the lives of anyone I taught after that. It's just that mind boggling and brilliant and, and wonderful. So I owe him so, so much for that. Yeah. So I want to go back to my Snyder yeah, do it. story because most people, well, it's sad to me that a lot of young teachers today don't know Jerry Worsham or who he was yeah. or, or whatever. He, I went to Snyder for my area. If I ever was lucky enough to advance to area and my very first time to go to Snyder, I was just ecstatic. 
to get to go. And Jerry was the contest manager, but the truth is the kid, his kids ran the contest and they had run so many, they could run them better than most adults I've ever seen, you know, and he was around, you know, and he was overseeing it, but they really did the line share of the work. And I remember we were in my official rehearsal. It was my first time going to area, Snyder, Texas. And back then, we used to have these traveling sound systems that were really something you bought at like Walmart. And you bought extra long speaker cord if you were really high tech. And you put your speakers in front of the curtains down left and down right. And you had to get really long cords so you could have that cord go in front of the apron, (laughs) you know, so that nobody really saw it going across midstage or whatever. And um, this little boy, he was probably like 16. He was my host for the day. He was sitting beside me. And I'm so important right about now. I pay for hosting an area. And he looks over at me and he goes, "Um, Miss Head, I really think that if you would move your speakers to the behind the curtain position, that then there would be a sense of magic from where the sound is coming from instead of these two old ugly speakers stage left and stage right. And I was so offended. And I thought, what do you know? You're just like 16 years old. I am an area. I don't know why you're telling me anything. You don't have any experience. And then I looked at the tech kids and said, y'all move the speakers back behind the curtains. (laughs) There's more magic that way. But, you know, it's funny to me because he was so right. And here's this little 16-year-old kid. And that's one of the best lessons I learned. You know, if I had to name five best lessons, that's going to (laughs) be in the best one. Now, this is kind of funny. So when my mom retired, she decided to go with me to all my contests. She rode the bus. And her saying was, you take care of the kids and I'll take care of you. Hmm. So we had gone to Snyder, back to another area. And I told mother about Jerry Worsham's plays. He uh, was 4A. We were 5A. There wasn't a 6A at that time. So I would take the kids early so we could see a Jerry Worsham play the day before and then do our contest the next day. And so I tell my mom, mother, he's just brilliant. He's wonderful. You've never seen anything like this. It's, it's incredible. Did you ever get to see a Jerry Worsham play? I don't believe I did. I was, I was about to say, you know, as a, not to get you off topic, but as a uh, Jewish man in Houston, Jerry Wishy was the man that ran the Jewish community center. So every time when I was coming up in education and people would say Jerry Worsham, I'm in my brain. I'm thinking Jerry Wishy. Oh, right. <laughs> Jerry. I grew up. I grew up with Jerry Wishy. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Anyway, that's wow. <laughs> that's, well, uh, so anyway, I told yeah. my mother all about all about Jerry Wersham, yeah. and he was so ahead of his time. Um, and in the way his plays looked were completely different than any play you've ever seen. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but what was phenomenal about him is. He could start with an entire stage full of stuff. Yeah. An entire, and he mostly did Shakespearean plays. 
he, he rotated about seven different titles and that's kind of it. So it was kind of like there, there were two or three outside of the Shakespearean that he would rotate in. Pygmalion was one and there's another one. I can't think of the title, but mostly Shakespearean. So here it would be like a banquet table with all these columns and torches and chandeliers and all the feasts and thrones and candelabras. I mean, it would have a full meal deal set and there would be a light change that would be like, bam, and it'd be gone. Hmm. And everyone still to this day cannot figure out how he did it. And he could go from the blank stage, light change, bam, it'd all be there. It was like a David Copperfield (laughs) show. And people would be, oh my gosh, how did that happen? And you would try to get the Snyder kids to tell you, how did y'all do that? And I don't know, they still won't tell. It's it's top secret. (laughs) And I wanted to know. So anyway, so we're in the, and they named the theater at the high school after him. You know, it's still alive and everything, right? And so we're sitting in the theater and his show's getting ready to start. And my mother is talking to me before the show starts. And she's saying things like only a mother could say. So she's saying, oh, you're so talented. Nobody is as good a director as you. I'm so proud of you. And and all, all these things. And so his show starts. And within the first 10 seconds of his show starting, my mother turned and looked at me and said, you don't know shit. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. That's great. And she was right. I didn't, I, I didn't, you know? So um, anyway, I, I think that <laughs> That's good. Honest mom, I know. Keep, keep you grounded. I know. I know. Well, I think you have to have that. Yeah. Although I think that I, I laugh and tease, but I think that I always, was pretty grounded about it. So back when I was in Odessa, you know, we didn't have anybody out there really. Right. You were, it's not like here in the Metroplex or where you are. Yeah. How many different contests can you go to? Right. It's yeah. Every there's one happening right now, literally. <laughs> yeah. And I remember David Stevens um, was teaching at San Angelo high school, San Angelo central and he would leave for a contest, but maybe he would do his contest on Friday and then it would end and he would drive somewhere in Texas. He didn't care where it was and go watch another contest. And then maybe he'd hit two different ones over the weekend and yeah. then come back home Sunday night real late. He became a student of the contest. And when I talk about that, I don't necessarily think it was all about the competition or UIL, I think it was about theater for those of us that are really passionate, really care about theater. It was about learning to do good work. And it was also a contest, but you know, anything you learned, you certainly put in your fall show or in your musical. It wasn't just about the contest. It was about being better. Yeah. No. But in Odessa, we really didn't have anything like that. And if you didn't grow up with a teacher like a Jerry Warsham or a John Steele, or, I mean, I can think of, well, you know, so many greats, a Tal, a Paula, you know, Louise, um, a Charles Jeffries, then how are you going to learn it? Because, you know, there's, there's tricks to it as well in terms of 
how to prepare. There's or not tricks, but good processes or strategies. So we didn't really have any of that. So I think it was harder sometimes having, because I think you have to watch and get really good ideas from, from other people and, and learn from that. I think that's really important. It's always sad to me when I don't see teachers and sometimes you're just too exhausted. I I know there were times I was too exhausted. Um, You just need to stay home and kind of get healthy again. You know, the idea of going out and traveling six hours to go see another show across the state. That's kind of difficult. Yeah. You know, watching that many shows is being able to sit and watch eight shows in eight hours uh, and they're all different and kind of just getting the knowledge of all eight shows is much different than going downtown and having dinner, seeing a show, then going to have a drink at, you know, it's like, if you really want to just get all the, this content and get all the, the scripts and the, the kind of shows on speed, if you will, uh, cause they're cut down, but yeah, no, that's fun. Uh, right. and you, you mentioned, I want to go back to what you mentioned and I know you, you still have more story to tell because I know you became. Uh, I I went to your website, um, and and I can you know we can we can plug that in a little bit, but uh, and you know the the becoming assistant fine arts director in Louisville and um, uh, that uh, or assistant director of fine arts, excuse me, uh, <laughs> the the title order. Uh, Philip Taylor would get mad at me for for saying it wrong, but. Um, but going back, something that really hit uh, a note with me is you mentioned uh, in Odessa that you had that community, that you had your your Steel Magnolias. Uh, because when I was at Dulles, we did a really good job. And this it didn't last the entire time, but it was four or five years. We ate lunch every day together, the entire fine arts department, except the visual artists. And that only had to do with proximity. They were in a completely different building. Um but choir, dance, orchestra, band, theater, we all ate din- or lunch together every day. Not dinner, sometimes dinner. <laughs> but uh, And it was that community. And even thinking about to my back when my mom was a teacher, uh, same thing. And the, the women that she taught with and the men, till, uh, uh, one of Tillman Fertitta's cousins is one of my mom's former colleagues. But, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Conrad. But uh, th- those people it was a community. It was mm-hmm. exactly that. Do you, do you know why that doesn't exist anymore? Do you know what is, what is it that's missing? What, why is it that we don't have that? Is it because I know you, you said that there's not that, uh, the smoking room anymore, you know, like, but that doesn't have to be something that exists in order to talk to a human. Uh, is there something that you think might be missing from a school? Well, I think the whole school climate changed when we went to, and I'm not saying it's bad or good. I don't really yeah. want to weigh in either way. Um, I don't feel like I know enough information to, but the whole school climate changed when we started doing all this testing. Right. And I think there's a lot more stress on people. And then the formality of school changed, the upping the ante, because you know, used to, you would everyone would stop for the decorated door contest for Christmas and kids. Well, I've got to go to Miss Head's room. We're decorating the door. Nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go. And 
there was a lot of educational time that we missed with our students, but there was also a lot of social interaction that we gained and kids were more connected and teachers were more connected within the community, within the school. And we cared about going to the football game together. We cared about going to the pep rally. We cared about who was winning in, in some of the contests and things. And I think that school's just not structured that way anymore. And it took away, I think, a lot of the passion the kids had just for their alma mater. Right. You know, I, and I think that it took away from the teachers as well. And then I also don't think that um, we give people an opportunity to get together like that. So when I... Let me tell you this, when the job came up for Louisville, was had been at Creepview for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by that time, I really had, I, I had never lost my passion. I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. I love being around teenagers. I used to call myself the teen queen, you know, <laughs> they keep you young and they keep you on your toes. They're exciting. I love to see a kid get something. I like to see them grow over a period of time. You know, all the reasons why we go into to education. I'm, I'm, I'll never be tired of right. that. But I think that I like new challenges and I think I wanted to expand that interest I did not apply for the job at Louisville for fine art assistant fine arts director because I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> and I got a call one day and someone said, are you interested in this job? I'm like, what? And I don't even know that I would have applied for it had I known that it was available because I did like what I was doing, but I also knew I was ready right. for the next step. I'd been in the classroom 28 years. I was ready. So I went, I got the job. And the first thing I saw was what I see everywhere is that all of these directors are on islands and they all are experiencing similar problems or issues, but they're fighting these things by themselves. And you know how hard you work when you're a theater teacher. And I think we don't ever take care of ourselves. And I think emotionally, we're always in an upheaval because you're always begging somebody to help you finance something or get the money or just to be able to get the paperwork through finance or, you know, there's always something going on that as a theater teacher, you have battles that regular teachers don't have. And you never know what that something's going to be. It's usually something crazy. And so I thought, you know what, we don't have to do this on our own. And I don't want my teachers to be islands. I want them to be a community. And so I started a retreat at a lake house. I knew that it couldn't be something that we did as an in-service or professional development because you come from school or it's after school or it's on, you know, a whole day of professional development that's been set aside and you don't really want to be there. (laughs) You're thinking of all the stuff you have, the work you could be getting done. (laughs) Someone that's talking to you about something that's not relevant to what you do or whatever. And so I rented a lake house and we raised the money ourselves to do that. The school didn't pay for it. And we um, read plays and got ready for one act and had like teaching moments and we cooked. Most importantly, we cooked. 
And this is something I didn't plan for. It just happened. But literally everyone was in the kitchen the majority of the time cooking together. And we became a community around that food. And then we would have like scheduled times where you read plays. And I would see people that were going to compete against each other, you know, in a couple of months go, hey, I'm reading this play and it doesn't fit my kids, but it does fit yours. Do you want to read it? And all of a sudden those old tired, because I mean, I'm sorry, really you're competing against yourself more than you are anyone else. And why wouldn't we help each other? And all of a sudden, after that community began, all of a sudden they became so close. And I started seeing emails flying around that said, hey, um, my lights just went out. I don't know how to fix them. Can anyone come over and help me? I'll be there right after my rehearsal. Are you going to be there at three? Sure, I'll be there. Hey, my costumes didn't come in. Can you bring the, 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 all of this stuff? Hey, let's all go to brunch together. I have an issue I need to talk with y'all about. I need your brains. And it became this one moving piece. And all of a sudden, it it became easier to to work in that environment. Hey, my principal doesn't want me to do this. What does your principal say? How do y'all handle it? And then all of a sudden, the principal started realizing about the community. And now they're talking more. And now they're kind of coming out to see what we're doing because we're just this immovable piece. But what really got my attention wasn't just this. Our kids, I can cry about this. (laughs) Our kids, we didn't talk about this with the kids that much. We were still learning about it. Yeah. Our kids were watching us without us even knowing it. Yeah. They started meeting up. And the way we found out about it is they had from all the high schools, from all five high schools. So all of a sudden one day they were all at a restaurant doing the same thing that we were doing. And they created these committees and these things that they were going to do. And they decided that they would all go see each other's shows. So every time a show opened, let me tell you, and while you were rehearsing, you knew all the LISD kids were going to be there. So you better get off your toes, right? Because everyone was coming. And so every time a show opened, every one of those kids were at those shows and they would all wait at the end of the show when a play would end the kids that had come to see the play would wait for the other kids to get out of her costume and makeup. And they would all go to the front of the stage and take a group picture and post it. And it, you know, it was an incredible amount of commitment from, from everybody, but the payoff was tremendous, you know, but it took a lot of effort to do that. And we're just a society of, we don't have time and with emails and, you know, work never ends. You're always available. And I think you're always exhausted. And yeah, I think when people heard of the retreat at first, they didn't want to do it. I'm not going to lie. I think there were some that did, but I think a lot of people felt like, well, this is my only weekend off. Why do I want to take more time away from my family? But what they then began to realize is, yeah, it was another weekend away from your family, 
but because of the help you got throughout the year, you gained back some time or some support that you needed. So it was a good investment Investment, and a good return. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We, uh, you know, Fort Bend, um, I created what's known as the Jerry Baber Awards a few years ago. And that effect that you were speaking of with the sort of community getting smaller, if you will, with the students now hanging out with other schools uh, was an accidental positive that came out of that. Whereas students were now going from school to school to watch other other school shows. Oh. And it raises, you know, it's like you said, when you're rehearsing, you're like, oh, crap, you know, this school's going to come watch us. <laughs> it it kind of raises your game a little bit. And I think that that happened at a, at a handful of the high schools. You know, we have 11 here, uh, soon to be 12. And so that that the community got smaller, even though it's such a large district. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, if and when I leave this district, that's going to be my proudest accomplishment uh, as far as just just that same effect, you know, the kids going to the front of the stage after sometimes they stayed in costume, but anyway, <laughs> you yeah. Know, uh, but yeah, that same thing. And I, I think I can't, I could not preach more about how important it is to create, to shrink your community up to, you know, and uh, even something that is shrink wrapped can still be, um, it's still the same size as it was before. It's just kind of sucked in a little bit. So I don't know if that metaphor makes any sense, but in, yeah, my, no. head did, <laughs> in my head it did. So speaking of accomplishments, uh, you are now, what your official title is past president, correct? So right. that's the chair. That's the position you hold. So as president, uh, what is your proudest moment? Or I should say TXETA for people that aren't aware. Um, but as as president of TXCTA, what was your proudest moment, or maybe you've had a couple uh, proud moments that you know that walking away because uh, soon you won't be past president either. Uh, I mean, you will, but you won't have the title. <laughs> but what is going to be your proudest uh, moment, your legacy, if you will, that uh, you're leaving TXCTA with? Uh, if you want to speak on that for a little bit. Well, I do. And I do want to back up just a second to say, because I know I told you in an earlier and there might be some funny stories I have about it. But, um, you know, I'm so grateful that my mentor teacher, Bodine Johnson, her official name is Delphia Bodine Johnson, (laughs) took me to my first TTA in 19, I think, 84. It was at the Hyatt Regency in Houston downtown. And I was just like blown away by that support and, and all that. And let me tell you something back in those days, everybody went to every work. You know, there's a lot of people that don't go now, Yeah. but those, that group of educators, they went. And I think it's really important to, to go to sessions and to never get to a point where we don't feel like we need to go to a session because it's just interesting to hear other people's perspectives on things. But I will say that I, that I owe my career to so many people, but, but more importantly, I think, or as important was TXCTA to me in supporting me as a a young teacher and director, actor, designer, you know, all of those things. And I can't imagine 
not having that be a part of my story right. or anyone else's story that wants to do this as a profession. Because it, let me tell you, the networking alone is the number one reason to go. And I've all my friends are from there. Right. I can make a phone call. because Now, listen, not because of anything else other than longevity. I've just been around so long. I've met so many people. So I've got a lot of people I can call for help that I have called for help and that call me for help. And it's because of that connection. So I'm really proud of um, the organization or I'm really grateful to the organization for that. I am not a person that's just okay with being a member. I like to be a worker. I don't do things for notoriety. I don't do things because I want to be known. That doesn't, that would never satisfy me. I like to make a difference for other people. And I think it goes, always will harken back to my days in West Texas where I didn't have the help. So I appreciate the help and I know what the help means. And I knew that I needed that training. So for me, I, I think the second year I went back to TXCTA as a young teacher, I volunteered to work. I never, ever thought, well, one of these days I'm going to try to be president. (laughs) I never had aspirations like that. I just would look around and think what interests me to work on that I feel like I could offer something. And that changed each year as I got more experience or I had more to give. I learned more, became well better rounded. Then there would be a different committee I would work on. And one day someone just said, okay, well, it's time for you to be president. And I was so shocked. (laughs) What? Because it just never occurred to me. So I think my legacy, and I'm sorry it took such a long time to get back to this, but I feel like I couldn't say one without the other. You know, a lot of people may or may not know about the debacle that happened that we had with the treasurer and some issues like that. And that debacle had for a long time created not a very closeness, not much of a community, a lot of mistrust and people had been kind of pushed away from leading or serving because during the debacle, the person that was in charge of the debacle didn't want anybody to be close and talking and, you know, they wanted to continue things as they were. And as president, I realized I need to get this organization back together and reorganized and rebooted and reformatted. Now, I have to say that when like Marion Castleberry and Travis Poe and those that took over after the debacle until right before I took over, also Charlie Huckel, they didn't have the opportunity to reboot or reformat. They had to stabilize. Right. And did an excellent job of stabilizing that organization. You couldn't have reformatted and stabilized both. And they did a phenomenal job. I think things line up on purpose because I had done the convention for so many years. I understood how the organization worked from the kitchen perspective. And there's not many of us really that know how to do that Uh, you know, Jerry Ivins, Dr. Ivins is certainly someone that understands 
the organization that well. And I think it, it needed to be somebody that had that kitchen experience to know, okay, let's reformat. So a lot of what I did will never be known to the, the membership right. because it's all behind the curtains. But I reformatted every single thing that we do. We went through every procedure, practice, and strategy to figure out why do we do this? Mm-hmm. Is this a good idea? Is it good for the organization? Is it bad for the organization? And I saw a lot of not involved in that community of people and how do we get people involved and how do we, because you don't want it to be like the boards up here and then everyone else just never knows what's going on. So there's not a system that we didn't redo. There was no, uh, strategic design we created strategic designs we brought voting for office back in we um created a new logo we created a new website i mean we did so much in two years and what's so funny i knew i only had two years to do it and so i often feel like that wells fargo commercial with the stagecoach and the horses running i feel like that i was on the top stagecoach everybody's just running like this um as fast as we could to try to get everything back together I wanted the end of my term I wanted that to be complete and and it has been and now Perry is able Perry Crafton to take it to the next level where now he can start building that community the next layer of that community the fruition of the work I did will now you know, it's the perfect handoff right. yeah. for him to, to get that sense of community back. Yeah. Perry's, Perry's very good people. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Perry and I, and this had kind of never happened to the extent that it happened, but I knew that if this was going to work, I didn't want to do all this work. And then a new president comes yeah, in, wash it away. they do their agenda and it's starting again. Right. And so I didn't do anything that I didn't first discuss with Perry because if he wasn't interested in it and he wasn't going to continue it, then it was just going to be for nine. And so we've sort of set a different culture. Now he's now doing that with Travis and of course with the board as well. It's not just what you want to do. Everyone else has to support it and think it's a good idea, but there's just a whole change in the way the board works as well we went from having just meetings at tta and one other to we meet once a month and i will say this i i retired right at the time that i was starting the second year and i decided to do it do uh my presidency as a job yeah and i worked it i got up every morning i was at work for tcta at eight and i worked till about six or seven every night and on weekends a lot. Yeah. And I really sort of served as the president slash executive director. And I, I say that not to pat myself on the back, but I think we need an executive director. Right. You know, people are having to work too hard. It's hard to volunteer on that level because it takes a lot of hours. Yeah. And I think that that's why we have the debacle we had because you can't, you know, people can get away with stuff when yeah. you're 
you know yeah not that i don't that will never happen again there's yeah things in place for that and everybody that's ever held a position has really done a great job and done the best that they could it's just it's hard to to do that job and have a job right it's almost impossible a lot of checks and balances now so yeah for sure uh and and yeah i mean I, I grew up with TXCTA as my thespians. I didn't go to thespians. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm forever grateful to that experience too, because Bob Singleton, that's what he believed in. So, uh, and, and also it was convenient that most of the time it was here in Houston, <laughs> you know, so is Bob Singleton, your teacher, he was my teacher at HSP. I went to HSPBA. So he was, oh, wow. he was my, my, my teacher and, uh, Susie Phillips or Jennings. Uh, she was Phillips when I was there and then married. Um, oh, wow. uh, but yeah, Bob Singleton was my, he's my guy. He's my mentor. So I can't say enough about him enough positive oh, yeah. things. I could say negative things about him too, but I'll keep, I'll keep those to myself. <laughs> so yeah. I want to switch gears uh, quickly to you. So I think you're the first person that I've ever talked to that went to Permian. And I was a big, when Friday Night Lights came out, like the, the movie and uh, the book, and I read the book and I don't read books very often shame on me. I wish I, I, that's one thing I wish I did more. I just can't. I just, my brain doesn't like to do it. Uh, but I read Friday night lights. So like, is it accurate? (laughs) Is, is, is that, is that something that, that exists? And, um, I just, you know, it was so that, that movie in the, and I know some of it has to do with Denzel and whatever, but, uh, it was just so, um, for Texans, especially it really hit home, uh, watching that movie and reading that book and seeing how that life works. And now you have TV shows that are, uh, a show called last chance you and like different, different shows, hard knocks with NFL players, different shows that they show what Friday night lights originally showed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is that something you experienced as a student? And even then as a teacher? Well, you know, it's funny because you grow up out there and your perspective, and plus it's the time that you grew up out there too. So you don't, you have a different perspective of it. So when I, and a lot of people, you know, were super mad at this guy that came out and wrote the book because they all befriended him. And I was teaching when he came out to write the book and it was at OHS at the time. But people befriended him and took him to dinner and wined and dined him because they thought that he was going to be writing this book that glorified right. everything. And then they write, read it and they're like, wait, what? And we're this and we're that. And they got really mad. But I think a lot of that was growing up during the time and not having the perspective of some of that. I, I do think a lot of it is true. And, you know, I, I will say this, it, it was a phenomenon and a lot of who I am is also based of from those experiences in terms of, you know, usually the kids that played for Permian were not that big, but they didn't want to be the first to lose. And they had lots of heart and they had lots of work ethics. So they won a lot because they worked really hard 
but you know, I don't know if you know this. I don't know that they set, showed this in the movie. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. You know, just as many. Well, I can't say that, but you know, they had an audience to watch them work out every day. <laughs> so when you would drive by the practice field, it was packed. Right. So, you know, it's funny on how you might rehearse a little bit better or work out a little bit better if you have someone watching you work out. Right. <laughs> but they always said they had a lot of heart and they were afraid to lose and they, they wanted it really badly and they were in shape and they were prepared. I also remember when I was in elementary school, the little kids would run the plays out on the football, on the playground. The boys would run the plays on the playground that they were going to run later at Permian. And they, the system they had to prepare those kids from elementary all the way up, was very and so I kind of had that kind of same process um in preparing my kids listen if you put me in a competition I'm going to be prepared and we're going to work really hard you know and because that's sort of my process and, and seeing that you know and everybody in the town went to the game you didn't not go to the game are you crazy did you have rehearsals on those days? Like, would you have to cancel? Like, did you even do shows during the football season or? or yeah, 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 we did. And, but I don't ever remember us. We would have never had a date because everybody went to the games. Right. And, you know, now my dad had been a, not a coach at Permian, but a coach at one of the other high schools really early when I was a kid, he became a principal later, but yeah. He had tickets to both OHS and Permian on the 50 yard line, nine rows up. And he had them for like 40 something years. Wow. And you know, every year you would have to go down to the athletics and you, you, you got your same tickets, but by a certain date you had to pay for them. Well, you didn't give up those tickets. I mean, people kept those tickets for yeah. years. So if people knew that you were going to not go pay your tickets, they would pay for that information. So finally, my dad had gotten too old and he couldn't go pay. He, he couldn't get to the stands and all that anymore. Right. And so the neighbors on this side paid him, I think, $3,500 for the information that he wasn't going to go buy his tickets. And the neighbors on this side got mad and said they would have doubled it. <laughs> Just for the information, he wasn't going to go buy the tickets. <laughs> wow. Is that crazy? Yeah, that is. And that cool. happened. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> it's like. I know. It's, it's amazing, you know, uh, high school sports, there's a, <laughs> it's, I don't know if that exists. I, I mean, I don't think it exists anywhere. Maybe Katy High School or North Shore in this area, that those might be the two places that that exists just because those two schools have such a long history of making it to state, but that's crazy. So um, I, I want to honor your time and get you out of here on this. Um, uh, I, you have this website, missyheadconsulting.com and the story, most of the story that you told uh, at the beginning of this, you can find here, which shame on me. I, I always joke that I have a crack research team and, uh, they, they, there are a lot of cracks in the research team. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you do consulting and, uh, you 
I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit and talk about kind of what it is you do, uh, what it is you specialize in. Um, I, I know you haven't been retired that long, uh, so this might still be a young uh, endeavor, if you will, but uh, push it a little bit, plug it a little bit, and uh, talk about this I'm, this website's really fun. I, where's this picture taken, by the way? The the on stage. It's at the the Colony High School. Okay. Um, Dwayne and Rhonda Craig took it for me. I'm okay. so appreciative of that yeah, shot. It's a great shot. Yeah. Uh, but talk about the your services. I mean, you know, you can obviously go to the website and click it and see the professional development, special engagements, all the engagements, if you will. Um, uh, but I'd love to. I'd love to know more too, kind of selfishly. So sell yourself what what is it that well, <laughs> what is it you offer well you know going back to what i said earlier is like i really i was i was so happy to be at lisd for eight years and to work with teachers and i saw that that was really where i'm supposed to be right now and again because of that time and not to slide odessa because let me tell you there were a lot of great things they did for me as a teacher and there was great support out there it's just that it was far from other theater you know so I, I always want teachers to have the resources and information they need without having to having to travel and go someplace, you know, and I want to give back in that way. So that's really sort of the whole impetus behind the company, you know, and I get so much fulfillment out of seeing people um, get some support and not have to wait 17 years to learn a process that's life changing, you know, things like that. So I've done a lot of professional development and I, I kind of, I will customize it to whatever a district needs or an individual teacher needs, you know, whatever area that they feel like they need to, to develop or work on. I've done some keynote speeches to fine arts departments and really about self-care and also not forgetting why you're doing the job and not taking school so seriously sometimes, because sometimes I think we get so bogged down in some crazy thing that happens and rightfully so, right? There's some things that happen and you can get so mad. At the end of the day, it really is about kids and making kids better. And so what if you didn't get the storage closet that you should have gotten that was rightfully yours to get, <laughs> you know? Is that going to take away from what you teach a kid? Right. No. So, you know, it's about sort of remembering what's important, you know. And then I have to go back to Delphia Bodine. Yeah. Because Delphia Bodine knew how to organize stuff like you. And I love to organize stuff. But she really taught me, especially when you don't have much space or even when you do how to organize things, what's smart to hang, what's smart to fold, what's smart to store, what's smart to buy, how not to buy stuff that just takes up too much room. Just brilliant ways to organize your space, no matter if you have a lot or a little. And so I do a lot of assessments and spaces and make recommendations for how to do this, that, or the other. And then I am, I don't know if you are, but I'm a huge geek when it comes to when at play in terms of how to travel to when at play yeah. and how to um, store things and travel with things in a smart way. So I do a lot of workshops on that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not geeky about that, but I would, you know, it's again, one of those things that 
it's not because I don't want to be, it's just because I haven't gotten there yet, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I love, that's one of my favorite things. Like I light up if I get to talk about that, <laughs> you know, and then just really important is the directing process that I learned from DeMond and yeah. then turned it into my own thing that made such a difference. I love teaching that directing process. And then I have a couple of clients where I do teacher mentorship and go help teachers um, develop whatever skill individually that they want to, whether it's in the classroom, just teaching or lesson planning, or if it's, they just need help directing. And I find that, you know, in college, there's no way they can give every one of the teacher ed students a real opportunity to develop that directing toolkit. There's not the time, the, the money or whatever. And I feel like we, most of us are learning on the job as we go. And that takes time. And wouldn't I have loved for someone to come in and said, well, why don't you try this? Or have you thought about this? Or just have some hand-holding at times, or maybe just to come by and go, my gosh, this is fantastic. And, you know, you're doing a great job because I think we often doubt ourselves so much of the time too. And just to know that you're on the right track and, and things like that. So pretty much there's a, a lot of options that I have. Like I'm getting ready to have a call with a school district who they just want to talk through like what topics. Yeah. That um, that there is important that are important to them, and so I'll do whatever they need me to do to help facilitate that. Minor wisdom.